And welcome to another episode of Well Capitalized. I'm your host, Bobby Kingsbury, Managing Director at MCM Capital Partners. Uh, we've been getting some comments from business owners uh, on, on our YouTube channel, specifically about diligence questions and an M&A transaction. So today, I thought we'd touch base on the legal diligence side of it. And with me today, I have Brent Petrofeast from Kelphie Halter and Griswold. Brent, thanks for, for joining me today, man. Appreciate you being here. Happy to do it. Frank, can you provide a little bit of your background for uh, the folks listening today? So I started at Calfee in 2003, been there 17 years. Uh, I am currently the head of the M&A practice. I also head up our family office practice. I spend probably two thirds of my time doing mergers and acquisitions transactions, primarily in the private equity space. Um, and then the other third is general corporate contract matters and things that sort of drive from the M&A practice. Appreciate that. So a lot of the business owners that have been watching these episodes have been asking about the diligence process and you know, trying to become educated on to, as to what it entails. Can, can you just describe initially the, the folks that are involved from your firm on the M&A transaction side from a legal diligence standpoint? Yeah, so on the buy side, you know, depending on the type of the target, uh, we will bring in specialists from all of our uh, practice areas to take a look at various aspects of the business. So we'll bring in real estate professionals, we'll bring in uh, employee benefits, labor, intellectual property, uh, government contracting, government relations, uh, and basically any, anything else that would impact or could take a look at what the target business was doing. So there's a lot of folks involved from y your firm in the process? There can be. Again, yeah. it's, it's not necessarily always that, that universe of people. Um, it's really target specific. Um, but in most instances, that's the general team that we bring to the table. So what type of information you know, would be uh, requested by your, your legal team from the business owner? So we start with a general overview request list, which is you know, at first glance daunting, but there's a lot of questions that we just need to ask so somebody can say, yes this, or no. Yeah, this doesn't apply to us, it's not applicable. Um, but it also gets people thinking about things, which is you know, what we really want through the diligence process, to people think critically about their business and to provide as much information as they can. So we break it up into, and I think we're gonna post a sample diligence questionnaire as part of this video, but we break up the requests by practice area. So there'll be a general corporate request section that gets into um, information about the business, governing documents, um, operating agreements, stockholders agreements, you know, your, your formation documents, things like that. Then we'll have a separate section for labor and employment that gets into, you know, anything related to employment contracts, um, employee manuals, things that impact, you know, the, the, the rank and file employees. We'll have a benefits section that really digs into employee benefits, 401k plans, things like that. Uh, real estate, anything having to do with, you know, uh, whether you own or, or lease, uh, your real estate, um, anything having to do with the operation of the plants, things like that. Um, and then intellectual property is the other big one, which gets into you know, trade secret, any registered IP, uh, things like that. And then, you know, again, depending on the target, if there's a government contracting piece, we have a whole separate section for government contracting. Now, if, I, if I'm a business owner and I get this list, you know, I, I, again, it's voluminous, it can seem, seem daunting. Mm -hmm. What if I'm looking at it and I say, you know what, I don't know the answer to this. I, I don't even know if I have this information. You know, what, in, in, in that situation, what do, do business owners typically do? So if they don't know the answer, I mean, you know, that's uh, a good 
uh, reason to go hire a lawyer. Mm -hmm. um, and you know, I know it sounds somewhat self-serving, but uh, <laughs> you really do yourself a disservice if you're trying to navigate one of these processes without you know, legal counsel who does this on a regular basis. Right. Um, you know, we run into a lot of people uh, who have had a historic relationship with their lawyer who's been sort of their de facto outside general counsel is helping with contracts and things like that, but doesn't do M&A on a regular basis. And they, that goes one of two ways. It goes, it goes really well or it goes really poorly. Um, and when it goes really poorly, you get it because people, when they don't know what they're doing, tend to ask a lot of questions and be obstructionist about things because they don't understand what the, the process is because they don't do it on a regular basis. Um, or it goes really easy, and when I mean really easy, it goes really easy for us because they don't know what they don't know. Right. And you know, we can generally run the show when it comes to that. So you're really doing yourself a disservice by not having competent counsel. Understood. So yeah, you know, biz or advice for business owners would be, you know, certainly suggest hiring a counsel that's familiar with the M&A transaction process. Yeah, you know, and, and again, I know people don't want to spend money on that on the front end, but you really, in the long run, are going to save yourself money by having somebody protecting your interests on the front end, because this is one of those instances where, you know, an ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure. If you do things right on the front end, um, you're gonna really be able to save yourself some money and some headaches on the back end. Yeah. So how long, generally, will the process take, and then who from the company actually needs to be involved in, in, in the diligence request process? So, you know, it depends on how prepared you are. If you're prepared, um, the process can be pretty short uh, because really the time, in my experience, the things that take a lot of time are for the seller to respond to the requests. Mm -hmm. you know, the buyer team is ready to, to dive in and look at the documents and review it and, and do that piece of it relatively quickly. And we've, we've done it in as little as two weeks. But what usually takes time is, as we pointed out before, is, is going through that list, finding all the things that are responsive for it, um, the documentation, answering the questions, getting people that may not be involved in the process, involved in the process. Uh, which leads to your second question. Usually at the beginning, it, there's, you know, the business owner is the primary person who's involved. They will then expand it out to usually their head of you know, finance, whether it's a controller or a CFO or whatever, because obviously there's gonna be a lot of financial diligence that comes into play, um, which isn't the point of this talk, but those are really the two main people that are involved in, in a deal. But you'll then have to pull people in as, as the questions, you know, sort of spread out through the organization. You're going to need somebody to come, you know, that can understand the operations, sales, things like that. So the, the, the group of people can expand, you know, depending on what you're looking at. Yeah, which gets back to, on, on a couple of our other videos, we talked with prior business owners and discussed when to tell Mm -hmm. your, your, your broader team, your mm -hmm. executive management team, you know, obviously post LOI when you begin diligence, these type of requests, you're going to need their help. You know, as a business owner, you can't facilitate all these requests from legal, financial, mm -hmm. tax, you know, insurance, um, marketing. It's, it's too difficult. Mm -hmm. and, and then on top of it, run your business. Mm -hmm. So they have to bring it to the broader team. Right, and I think that gets to another point around this on the diligence side where I think you can really, business owners can really save themselves time and energy and, and do, do themselves a favor by hiring a good team, you know, outside of the people that are inside, uh, that are inside the organization. So you can, like we said, hire a good attorney who knows yeah. what they're doing. Make sure your accountant, your outside accountant knows what they're doing. Um, your insurance broker, 
you know, hire a, a good insurance broker. And it, you know, if you're going to do a, a marketed process, make sure you do your diligence and hire a good investment banker. Mm -hmm. So I, I think that dovetails pretty well. And you know, aside from hiring the right team, what else can a business owner do to best prepare themselves for the legal diligence process? Because you, you had mentioned it could take two weeks, it could take four to six weeks, you know, just depends on how prepared that business owner is. So how, for a business owner potentially thinking about a transaction, how can they best prepare from a legal diligence standpoint? So again, hire a good team, make sure you've got a good team of professionals around you, and secondarily, be organized. And I know that's hard for a lot of people who are running their own business uh, to, to sort of get out of the day-to-day -day and make sure that they're thinking strategically and, and critically around you know, the other aspects of their business. But you need to be organized. You need to know where your contracts are. You need to know, you know what's going on with the regulatory environment for your business. Mm -hmm. You need to know um, where all your corporate documents are. Make sure that you know, you're following your corporate documents, um, that you're following your corporate um, formalities, and you've looked at your, you know, if you've got a buy-sell agreement, you've looked at that kind of thing. All your corporate records are in, in, in order. So, you know, one thing that makes a lot of sense is to go out and do your own diligence process, um, you know, when you have time. So take yeah. one of those diligence lists, go through it, try to make sure you understand what there is being asked of you, and that you've got things that are responsive to that, and the things that you have are all complete, signed, all the exhibits are there. You know, I can't tell you how many times we've run through a process and it turns out that, you know, a, a major contract that they were marketing as being an important piece of the business isn't signed, yeah. isn't complete. You know, those are all things that a buyer's gonna look at and say, hey, that's great that you think you have this contract, but legally speaking, you, you don't. Do yeah. And, you know, as a result, we're gonna ding you on purchase price. Um, you know, another terrible example of that is, is, is intellectual property and IT. I can count three times in the last 18 months where we had a, a major piece of IT come up as not being owned by the company that they thought they owned because they didn't read their contract, they didn't go through the right process on the front end, and they had an uh, you know, in-house developed proprietary software yeah. that turned out that they didn't own it. And you know, we went through the diligence process and all along the sellers, in, in, in all three instances, we know we own that, we own that, we own that, we own that, and then, you know, relatively short amount of time prior to closing, we found out that they didn't, and it caused a major headache. And it did, did it crater the deal at all? Or uh, did it still it get almost done? cratered one. It, it delayed it extensively until we could negotiate with the third party who did own the IT to get ownership to the company, which cost a lot of money, a lot of time. And in both other, and the other two times, we took, one time there was a, a significant holdback, um, and then the other time there was a significant reduction in purchase price. Interesting. So that's a good piece of advice for, for business owners. And we, we discussed preparation and then the timing of, of the diligence. Can you tell the business owners watching or listening, generally what are the most common factors that hold up a, a transaction from a diligence standpoint? It's usually one of two things. It's usually a third party relationship. Uh, so if you have a, a lease or, we, yeah. we, we've been through we've, that we've before. Been through that before, yeah. <laughs> so if you have a lease with a third-party landlord who really doesn't care that you have a deal going on, yeah. uh, in most instances, uh, you'll either need a consent or some other, you know, uh, a release or something from that, depending on how you're financing. Unless you might need a, a, a waiver um, or a collateral access agreement or something. So something that's going to impact, you're going to need a signature from the landlord for. And they have no motivation. And there's no motivation. 
to, to do it. And, and if they are motivated, in a lot of instances, they may want to renegotiate or you know charge a fee or. Right. You know, so the sooner you can get out in front of those issues, the better. So you're not trying to negotiate that at the eleventh hour when you're trying to get a deal closed and you've got nine zillion other things that are that have come up. Right. So that's the one, and, and you know, it's landlords a perfect example because we've been through it, and, and um, it's more common than not. But there's others too, right? So there's other third-party contracts where you need a consent or you need somebody else at the table. That you know, while you and the you and the buyer are motivated to get the deal done, the third parties typically aren't. Mm -hmm. So they're on their own timeline. And similarly, if you have a government contracting relationship or a, a material permit or something like that where you're dealing with a government agency or a quasi-government agency, they also aren't typically very motivated to get things done and take, a, general. <laughs> take, take a long time to get things done. So again, you wanna get out in front of that and understand that on the front end um, so that you're not waiting to get that thing done. Yeah, I appreciate that. So I, I, I'm gonna leave you with, with one last question for the business owners. What other than, than preparation, and you, you've given them some, some good points you know, to prepare themselves, what other piece of advice would you give them going into a, an M&A transaction? Be prepared for it to take a long time. Um, and be prepared to be asked a lot of questions about your business um, that may come across or seem offensive or seem like you know, the, the other party doesn't trust you. Right. Because at the end of the day, you know, they have to do their diligence and they have to make sure that they're asking all those questions to get answers to them because they have people that they report to mm -hmm. that are going to be asking them the same questions. Um, so in a lot of instances, right, there's a third party lender involved. And while we're doing the diligence on the target you know, as a buyer, the bank is doing diligence on the deal and we're having to respond to the bank and the bank really doesn't care. Right. So, you know, it's going to seem like a long process. It's going to seem like you're being asked a lot of questions that you know, because you're in the business, you know the answer to why that's not an issue. I, I don't, you know, why are you asking me about this contract with the guy that I've been, you know, friends with for 30 years? Of course that contract's good. Well, you know that a third party, independent third party doesn't. So they're gonna ask those questions and they need to be answered. Um, and it's an important piece of the deal because it, it will inform the buyer as the level of risk and that they can underwrite. And, it, and at the end of the day, it all impacts purchase price. So the more, um, understanding and forthcoming you can be with information and the more organized you are the better it's going to be for you in the long run and the, the less impact it's going to have on potential purchase price yeah. well Brent I, I appreciate that you know a, a lot of uh, thoughtful points for business owners to consider from uh, from an M&A transaction standpoint especially uh, on the diligence side so thanks for for joining us today thanks I for appreciate having me. it appreciate it Thank you for taking the time to watch another episode of Well Capitalized. Please subscribe to our channel below. And if you have any additional questions, please leave them in the comments section. Thank you.